How's it going, everybody? Thank you so much. A massive Cade Mila Falcha, Chuck Stolas, Balyal, Clea, Jamie Sanam Dome. It's so good to see you. Turn to the person next to you and say, How's it going? How's it going? It's great to see you guys. Most of you were. Last week we had a little bit of a hiccup. Had the ceiling caved in and the foyer had to cancel church last minute, which was really, really bad. Uh, so I'm glad that you all found your way back this week. Uh, and like the guy said, it's a pretty exciting week for a couple of reasons. Number one, as Rebecca mentioned, next Sunday start a brand new series called Impact One. I will talk about that a little bit later, but just so you're aware, we're starting a brand new series. But probably more importantly for now, today's Vision Sunday, everybody. And if you're new to Lighthouse, this is your first time here, you're so, so welcome. If you haven't been at a Vision Sunday before, this is your first one. Welcome to Vision Sunday. We do this twice a year, usually in March and September. And what we try to do at Vision Sunday is we try to basically... Peel, uh, peel back the curtain, show you behind the scenes, kind of give you an insider's look as to what's, what's driving us, what are we looking for, what are we about, what are we aiming for, what are we hoping for, because I want you to know that this church isn't just aimlessly in existence trying to survive week to week. I believe that Jesus is building a thriving, life-giving, come on, all-island-impacting church, and that we have a vision, we have a mission, we have a plan, we have clarity on certain things, a lot of things don't clarity on, but the things that we're clear on, we're taking steps, both steps, brave steps, uh, to be able to lift up the name of Jesus in Ireland. And of course, if you haven't already figured out, uh, being in a cinema on a Sunday morning in a church service, that's pretty mad. That's pretty crazy. And I can remember many, many years ago when we were praying about and thinking about and had a vision for this. I can remember at least maybe five years ago, a handful of us in this very room walking around the different aisles, praying over the seats, thinking, man, wouldn't it be amazing if one day God could fill this room? And of course he has and he is. Come on. And we're so grateful to him for all he's doing in our church. And it was uh, the great American philosopher who didn't get everything right, but was right when he said, Henry David Thoreau, he said, it's not a matter of what you look at. It's a matter of what you see. Vision is not a matter of what you look at. It's what you see. And so my question for you as we kick off Vision Sunday is when you think about your life, when you think about the world, if you're part of the church, when you think about the church, what do you see? Not just what are you looking at, what do you see? All of us in this room share this in common. We have aspirations for our future. We have hopes, we have dreams, we have desires. We have, we're working right now, whether it's in a career or in a relationship or with kids or in ministry. We're working with this, with this preferred picture of a future in mind that one day we're hoping to make a reality. Or maybe it's just that you have aspirations and ambitions about your career, your personal life, or your finances. It's always good for us to, to stop and take stock and ask the question, where am I going in life? It's always good to, to be clear on what am I doing with the limited amount of time that I have on earth. But probably more importantly, or perhaps a better way of asking the question, is not just what do I see, is what does God want me to see? Because if you're here and you're a Jesus follower, here's what I need you to know today. God has a plan and purpose for your life. And if you're here, you're not a Jesus follower, you're skeptical, you're interested, you're curious, you're uncertain. Even if you don't believe in him right now, he believes in you. And he has a plan and purpose. And you don't have to to take that plan. You don't have to 
embrace. You don't have to uh, open your heart up to it. You can choose to reject it and live your life your way, like Fra- the great Frank Sinatra sang, and it's oftentimes sung at nearly every Irish funeral. I did it my way. That's the way you can go if you want to, or you can be open to the idea that maybe there's a God in heaven who loves you, who wants to know you, and has a plan and purpose for your future. So as we think about vision, as we think about what God has done, what God is doing, what God's going to do, we're asking ourselves the question, the church, what does God want us to see about what he's doing in and through us now? And so as always, I'm going to break into three sections. There's some things we're going to celebrate. There's some things we're going to contemplate. And there's some things then as we move forward that we want to concentrate on. So number one, some things to celebrate. Now hopefully your hands are warm because we're going to do a lot of clapping uh, in this section. There's a lot of things that we are going to celebrate today. And we're going to start with one of the most important areas of our church, which we don't often talk about every single week or isn't always obvious, but is one of the most important areas of our focus. And that is helping the poor. Jesus commands us as his followers to love, take care for, and provide for the poor. And the organization that we've partnered with for many years is an organization called Compassion. And specifically, Compassion exists to rescue children from poverty. All over the world, in developing areas that are ch- where children are, are vulnerable uh, to, to all the different challenges that come from poverty, compassion are there and not only are they providing food and clothing and education and a pathway forward out of poverty but because compassion partner with local churches like ours in those places those kids are also getting the opportunity to hear the good news that there's a God in heaven who loves them too and also has a plan and purpose for their lives and every year in May we do a compassion Sunday we invite the team in they come in they give us a report of all that's happening through our generosity and we can celebrate and invite more people to continue to give to the amazing ministry of compassion. But here's a little report that they did for us for this Sunday, knowing that we were doing Vision uh, Sunday. Here's some heads ups. Uh, over the last 12 months, you have given 27,905 euro to help rescue children from poverty. That's insane. It's so easy. We think about glo- such great global, it's like poverty, oh, what can I do by myself, of myself? Well, you can do very little, but when we come together, one local church, 30 grand that we sent out to the four walls of this church to help rescue children poverty. Also, some of you have given additional gifts, 23 additional gifts were given to children. Not only that, but 31,991 man hours were, uh, were uh, supported through our generosity at various compassion projects. 13 1,112 nutritious meals, a minimum, we're told, because there could be extra, uh, were given. At least 150 medical checkups from visiting doctors and 143 Bibles were given to children by our church partners through your generosity. Come on. And here we have some photos of some of the kids, and you may recognize yours. I see some of mine, Anna Luisa, I see Davi, uh, I see Chris Liney. We sponsor four. I ma- I made the, the, we made the decision, myself and my wife, Ludmila, many years ago, that for every child we have, we'll sponsor one compassion child, which was really easy. We had one. Then one became two, and two became four. 
And soon, if I don't stop, four will become eight, so we're just going to stop. So we sponsor four Compassion Kids, and it's one of the greatest joys of my life is knowing that every day, as I bring my kids to school, and we have this routine, as you guys know, I'll tell you about all the time, we pray in the car, and we pray for you, we pray for our churches, we pray for our family, but we pray for our Compassion Kids every single day. And just to know that even though we're going about our lives, doing our thing, that through our generosity... We're bringing life change to the most broken and destitute parts of the world. That's what it means to follow Jesus and helping those who are poor. Not only that, but when we were in lockdown, most of you don't know the story, when we were in lockdown and because we were in rented venues, we were in a nightclub in Navin, we're here in the cinema in Dublin, um, we couldn't open for 18 months. We had no church services, no prayer meetings, no connect groups. We had nothing for a year and a half as a church, which is very difficult to be in community and to do things and to grow. But also financially, it's meant that a lot of people were disconnected and our giving went down. And it got to a point where we were in a very precarious place financially. And it was almost like pretty soon if something didn't change, we're going to run out of all of our money. I'll never forget one day sitting with our financial controller and she was giving us a report and said, what are we going to do? And I said, I don't know what we're going to do. But you know what? This is God's church. This is not Jamie's church. This is God's church. This church was here before I got here. I'll be here long after I'm gone. These people belong to the Lord. God, kind of like Moses, this is your problem. So what, what do you want me to do about your problem? And so I went away and prayed, and I felt God say, uh, the solution to surviving uh, financially this great, this great time of tribulation, lockdown, is to give away the single largest offering you've ever given the life of the church. And I was like, that's a stupid idea, God. I mean, we need to keep our money and save our money, and we don't know what's going to happen, and we've got salaries to pay and bills to pay. I mean, we can't, we can't do that. And then I remembered it was his church. And so we gave the single largest offering ever in the history of our church. We broke up in a couple of ways. One of the places we gave was we gave extra money to the various compassion projects. We said, listen, just bless the children with something that will make them smile. And we got back a whole bunch of letters from various projects as to where some of those funds uh, went. Now here's one such a uh, letter. Thank you, Compassion Partner. Uh, my name is Laïs. I'm the director of Project BR0343. I write with joy, satisfaction, gratitude in my heart for the lives of each one of you. Through this letter, I want to thank you for the presents sent to our project. Now watch this. You think about presents, some of our kids are getting iPads and Mac computers and electric scooters and all these things. Listen to the presents that move these people to tears and prompt them to let, write a thank you letter to you, Lighthouse Church. Through your donation, we bought one set of cups with saucers, one kit of detergent dispenser, four trays, four LED lamps, two toilet seats, four plastic bowls, two cans of wall paint, two ivory oil paints to paint the activity rooms, one clothesline to hang the floor cloths. We are forever thankful for everything. Does that not humble you? I mean, we complain about so many things. When we think about the plight and suffering in the world, we have very little to complain about. But it was through your generosity, Lighthouse Church, that we were able in our greatest time of need to give our single greatest offering and to bless many centers like this. And you can see the response is heartfelt. These presents were and are blessings from God. May God bless you plentifully. We apologize for the delay in sending you this letter. There's no apology needed, but we are very much thankful to you. Attached are the pictures of the items already in use and very useful. Route 212, bye and God bless you, Lice. Isn't that amazing? Let's give, her, let's give her a priest an appreciation for all those projects, their leaders. Come on, their workers. We can do better than that. Come on, church. Let's show up. We know they can't hear us. 
but we honor every director, every volunteer, every staff member in these centers that are helping to change children's lives forever. So we're so grateful and thankful to celebrate what we're doing to help the poor. The second area I want to celebrate is when it comes to new people, because we are a church that doesn't just exist for those who are here, but we also exist for those who are not here. Even though we're we're within four walls right now in this gathering, our church exists for those outside the four walls. In fact, you could say it like this, our church begins when the service ends. This is not church. This is just a gathering of God's people and some friends who've been invited and come along and I'm glad that you're here today. But really, church is who we are outside the service. It's how we do life. It's who we are in the workplace, who we are at school, on the street. It's even who we are in traffic. I'm chief among sinners in that regard, okay? And so we're always trying to, because here's the problem with church in general. Church has this like gravitational pull towards the inside. Like most of us weren't raised in the church. We came to the church through, through our relationship with Jesus. And we're grateful that someone at some point shared the good news with us. But over time, as we become more church than unchurched, the focus of the church can become all about and exclusively for those inside. And we have to fend off and kick back and break the bond of the drag trying to pull us to focus on Christians and Christian problems and Christian issues and me, 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 me. Listen, there's a world out there that desperately needs to know that Jesus died for them. There's a world out there that needs to know that Jesus is the only hope for humanity. We can't be caught up in these four walls bickering as Christians. We have all of eternity in heaven to argue. So whether you're vegan or not, whether you're pro millennial whether you're Calvinist, I mean, I don't care. What I care about is Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And I am someone who was very lost, and God very saved me, and God continues to save me every single day. And out of pure gratitude for what God is doing in me, I want to tell the whole world about Jesus. And so as a church, we're always focusing, turning the attention out of the church onto the world around us. And over the last 12 months, we've had 1,169 new people, come on, come to our church. That's amazing. 429 got connected to our Next Steps team. Come on, everybody. 59 people recommit their life to Christ. Come on, celebrate. And 47 people, come on, gave their life to Jesus. And that's what it's all about, is inspiring people to an extraordinary relationship with Jesus Christ. And we continue to try to figure out creative ways we know. And again, if you're here and you're one of those new people, you know, we're trying to force or coerce or manipulate anyone into anything. But we want to make it easy for people to connect with the church. Because sometimes, I don't know if you know this, sometimes it's really weird if you're not a church person to go to church. I don't know if you notice, we just sang songs to a screen with our hands in the air. Like, where do you ever do that? Anywhere. Karaoke, right? What we do is not, it's not a, it's it's a weird thing. And we know as Christians that we're worshiping God. We know the reasons why we're doing it. We're always trying to make what we do accessible for those, making easy on-ramps for people who want to, not everyone wants to, for those who want to connect. So we continue to be a church's outward focus. Another area you want to focus on is, of course, our connect groups, because life is better. Oh, come on. Life is better. 
That's right. Life is better connected. And Christianity isn't about going to a church service. Christianity is about belonging to a church family. Finding friends, finding community, developing uh, lifelong relationships that will become some of the most important relationships of your life. And three times a year, we launch connect groups. There's three types of groups. There's activity groups, there's study groups, and there's various courses, everything from how to manage your finances to how to you know, build a better marriage. Uh, there's Bible study groups. There's rugby groups, CrossFit groups, baking groups, barbecue groups. I mean, there's, there's a group for everybody in the audience. And if there is a group for you, you should start that group and help us help you help people. But the point is, we want people to be in community. And just last month, we launched this season's connect groups. We have 41 groups launched this season. Come on. 424 signups in those groups. We're a 230-person average. Come on. Every single week, people in groups. It's amazing to me because we don't want to be a church service. We want to be a church community. And so if you haven't found your place in a group, find some friends and get in a group. Another area that's a huge focus for us is our kids. Some churches adopt the policy that kids should be babysat in church. We go, no, no, no. This church is for them. Everything we're doing is for them. We're laying a foundation for their future. And so we don't tell them, hush, be quiet, go away, as we play church. We say, we're preparing you for everything that God has for you. And in our Navin location, I have a photo here, our Dublin location, our kids' church has just been growing phenomenally, not just numerically, not just metrically, but also in the little hearts and lives of the young people, even my own kids who are part of this kids' church, to see them coming home and a sense of joy and a sense of, how would you say it? A confidence in God that they're not lost, not abandoned, not forgotten, not forsaken, not, not broken, left behind. But God loves them as a plan and purpose for their life. I want to celebrate all of our kids' workers, celebrate all of our kids' team. Come on. And every single child as part of our church. And I want you to know, if you're a parent, that your kids come first. In our mind, our kids' ministry is more important than preaching. Our kids' ministry is more important than the band. Our kids' ministry is the most important ministry in this church. Why? Because the future of the church depends on it. We don't babysit small people. We inspire them. From the minute they can understand English, or whatever language they speak, to an extraordinary purpose in God. And of course, going from young kids, it's all about big kids, the youth. I mean... Not only do we want to prioritize, you know, kind of three to 12-year-olds, but also our teenagers. It's so hard right now in general to be a teenager. I mean, can you imagine if you, like me, if you were a teen back when everyone had Instagram, how much your life would suck? Aren't you glad that the only place those memories about your past are stored are in here? And the three or four heads of those that are with you at the time? And not on someone's reel for everyone to see for all eternity? I mean, it's hard. It's hard to be a teenager. And right now, it's so hard to be a Jesus-following teenager because so much of culture and so much of the world we live in and so much of the values, so much of the direction is just kicking back against that. And we want to be a church. Again, it doesn't tell our young people to sit at the back and be quiet while mommy and daddy do their thing. We're saying, again, this church is for you. This is your church. We don't have a youth service during service because this is the youth service. If you're not a youth, welcome to the youth service. You're the guests. It's their church. It's for them. That's why some of you came in and thought, man, I need some earplugs. Yes, you do. Because it's a young church for young people. Now, I'm not saying it's exclusively that. I'm saying that we don't want to have our people grow up and then one day say, here, inherit. Here's your inheritance. 
You know, here's, here's a liturgy that we've been doing for 40 years. No, no, we're saying, put your hands on. This is your place. This is, this is where God wants you to be, to grow, find friends, and make a difference in the world. And who knows, as our young people graduate secondary school, and as they go into the workforce, or go into university, whatever, whatever path God has for them, who knows the difference they can make in this world if they know that there's a God in heaven who loves them and has a plan and purpose for their life. We love all that's happening through youth. And we honor one of our youth directors, Matt and come on, Francie, a short love and appreciation for them. And the final thing we want to celebrate in this regard is, of course, our dream team. Come on, somebody. The amazing team of people that make this church work, and they go the extra mile. Here's a funny photo from one of our team last week in Navin setting up. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, carry your cross. Um, he wasn't literal, but okay, I get the idea. I saw this photo on someone's Instagram feed as I was coming back from the States. I thought, this is who we are. We're not a church that when it comes to serving, we grumble and say, oh, I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this. We're a church that we're amazed by God's grace, that we get to do this that we get to be part, that we get to serve it, we get to make a difference in our world. And I want to tell you, we have some of the most generous, most talented, most sacrificial, most brilliant, most amazing people in this church that serve every single week. So if you serve on our dream team, or if you're a connected reader, can you stand up right now? Come on. Everyone that serves, everyone's in the dream team, everyone's in the connected reader, stand real quick. Let's show these people our appreciation. Come on. Let's bless them, honor them. Thank you guys so much for your serving. All the guys in the back, the production guys that no one sees. Thank you. Good job. You may be seated. We're so grateful for people living out their extraordinary purpose. Okay, the, the kind of last thing is a bit different, but I wanted to put it in here, is most of you are aware that in January we launched an in-house fundraising campaign called Heart for the House. It just so happened that our Navin location that I've been meeting in a nightclub for the last couple of years needed to move out. Just, you know, all sorts of reasons for that. I won't get into it. won't waste time. But we had to move out. We were praying, looking for a place. And God opened up a door for us to move into a school. Here's a photo of the schools so we saw it next, last week. And we were, we were absolutely blessed with the opportunity to move our services into the school. And when we got the green light, we realized that we needed some funds to make the move possible. We had to buy equipment. Go back, please. We had to buy equipment. We had to put in a container. We had to do all this kind of stuff. And just so you know, today at 2 p.m., our Navin location have their first ever service in this school. How amazing is that? I don't know what your plans are, but you're all invited at two o'clock to come and be with us as we have our inaugural service in the school. Um, so we asked people in Navin location, in our Dublin location, and in our Newton Dock location, would you, would you, would you be open-hearted to sowing something financially into helping our Navin location move from the nightclub uh, into the school? Now, we had no idea what, what was going to happen, just for reference. The last time we did a heart for the house offering four years ago, we raised 7,000 euro. It's going to appear... It's, not gonna be. it's gone. And so we're thinking, man, 7,000 euro after the pandemic, everyone going through challenges with all that's happening after Christmas and with inflation and everyone's oil bill is crazy and no one can afford to drive a car anymore. That's electric. Haha. And it's like, it's like things are really hard. So we weren't sure as to what was going to happen. But we asked you to be generous. And for me as, as the pastor of the church, I just really felt like the goal for me wasn't an amount 
but is that everyone participates. Because if, if we all give something, if we all participate equally, I know that God will bless it and multiply it, and somehow we'll have more than we need. As we sat as a team and began to budget what it would cost to move, we realized it was more than 7,000. It was probably more like over 10,000. Which are like, man, how, how, how are we going to raise 10,000 euro? And the answer is, we weren't, and we aren't, and we didn't. But God, but God. I love that how sometimes in scripture it goes, here's the scenario, it's dire, it's, it's, it's terrible, nothing's going to work, it's all bad. And it goes, but God. Because when God puts his hand on your life, when God decides to enter into your story, when God speaks blessing over your situation, everything changes. I don't know if we have the graphic here, what's going on, because these TVs are not working. But cut a long story short, uh, I'm absolutely thrilled to be able to say that over six, the six-week period at Harvard House, you gave, drum roll please, 25,000 euro, everybody! I can't remember the exact amount because it's on the screen, but it's like 25,700 and... Uh, but I know there's still some people to give, so I think it's going to go up. But to even have that amount is absolutely mind-boggling to me. I mean, it humbles me. It blows me away. It reminds me of how privileged I am to lead such amazing people like you, of all the churches in the world that God could have called me to be part of. The fact that myself and wife, Lamina, we get to be here is such a privilege. And you've blown me away with your generosity. It's absolutely incredible to see what God can do when hearts are open and available to him. So may God bless you guys and your generous. Come on, let's show our appreciation for, for that. We're going to need to do another fundraising for this TV, but it looks because it seems to have died. <laughs> but uh, yeah, 25,479 euro. Oh, and it gets better. You think, how does it get better? Well, most of you are aware that in the middle of our Heart for the House campaign, uh, something terrible happened in the nations of Turkey and Syria, right? The earthquake. And we were looking at us thinking, man, we don't have a lot, but we should do something. And even though we are the ones fundraising, we want to be a generous church. So as we prayed about and thought about, what we decided to do was we decided that out of whatever we raise from half the house, we will take 10% of everything raised and we're going to donate to help bring relief and aid to the suffering people in Turkey and Syria. We're going to partner with a great organization called Convoy of Hope. Ta-da! Uh, amazing organization that brings aid to people in broken parts of the world. And so we're going to give to at least 2,500, maybe some more, uh, to help bring aid there. So not only has your generosity helped our Navin location move to a new building, but your generosity, as always, is going outside these four walls to bless those who need it most, who are hurting and in need in the name of Jesus. How cool is that, everybody? So well done to you. Go on. So one more time. Okay, let's shift gear, turn corner. So, okay, that, those are some things celebrating again. There's so many other things we could talk about. Last year was amazing. Come on, Chris at the movies was outstanding. So many great moments in 2022. But today we're looking forward into 2023. So what are some things then that we want to contemplate? What are some things that, that we're thinking about, we're praying into, and I want to involve you in as the church. So, hey, here's some things we're considering. Well, let's start off with the word because it's so important that we don't get, we don't get fixated with God's work when it's outside God's will. 
Wherever, wherever there's been um, scandal or uh, abuse in church, it's usually because people have done God's work, work outside the remit of God's will. Obedience and blessing comes when we do God's work in the confines of God's will. It isn't enough to do good things, to do good works. We have to do them in obedience to what God requires of us. And so last year as we were praying for our Vision Sun in September, and I was thinking about all that's coming up with the future of our church. At that time, we were moving, remember, from screen three into the iSense. That seemed like a huge step. It seemed like, man, we weren't, we weren't going to be able to do it. We, we talked about maybe people, uh, again, being generous. And even though the money came in, didn't come in, we moved anyway. We just said, let's take a leap of faith. Look around at what God has done in just four months, everybody. The place is packed. It's amazing. Come on, let's celebrate that. But also with Navid moving to a new venue, also with Dundalk launching uh, next month, there's a lot of things. And so we felt God gave us a word. It's found in Exodus chapter 23 and verse 30. And, and just to give you some context uh, as to why this is so important, as I was thinking about all the obstacles we face, you know, that we're, we're, uh, <laughs> we're a portable church in every sense. Every one of our locations is portable. Even our office is rented. We don't own anything. We are the vagabond church. I feel like if, if our church had a theme song, it might be Metallica wherever I roam. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like we don't have a place, and so we're always at the mercy of venues. Like last week, like if we owned this building and that leak would have happened, do you think I would have canceled church? No way, man. I mean, I would have parted the Black Sea of whatever water was coming from the ceiling out there, and we would have made a way to do church. So we're always facing these obstacles. Then, of course, doing church in Ireland. Hello? Have you been awake for 10 minutes? It's not like everyone in Ireland on a Sunday morning goes, I just want to go to church. Which one will I go to? It's, it's not like church is on people's minds for any good reason. Usually the church is in the media, on the news, on people's tongue at work for all the wrong reasons. And that has knock-on effects which in so many regards. We're, just, we're, always, we're always battling uphill financially, spiritually. When it comes to buildings, it's like, oh my gosh. It's like, how are we ever going to achieve the things that God's called us to achieve? And God gave us his word. Verse 30. He said, little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. Now, who are we talking about driving out? Uh, not cinema goers, because we need those people, because cinemas stay open. Uh, we want people to enjoy the cinema. It's the idea that right now in Ireland, there's spiritual forces at work that are destroying families, destroying lives, spirits of addiction and depression and confusion and unforgiveness and hatred and racism and inequality. These things aren't just issues in culture. There's a spirit behind these things. And if they're unchecked and if no one stands up and confronts them in our cities, in our towns, in our counties, provinces, villages, wherever we live, then they're going to run free and just cause absolute havoc. But we say no. God has called us to be a lighthouse in the darkness, to speak life, love, liberty, and hope to those who are broken heart who are destitute and to remind them that God has a plan and purpose for their lives but because we are in Ireland and because we are in 21st century because of all the reasons I mentioned it will be little by little let me tell you something when I first took you know start pastoring this church almost 16 years ago I thought God was going to do it all in two years I mean why not why wait around it's like no problem here I am Lord just, 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 just go 
15 years later, you know what God's taught me? His pace is different than mine. But you know what I've learned as a father uh, of four boys, having spent many, many hours walking with those boys through various environments, is that oftentimes when I as a father set a pace that is slower than my child wants to go, it's usually because I have a, a perspective greater than his and I want him to finish the race well. I do it for his benefit. And God, for some reason, has ordained that Lighthouse Church will be the vagabond church that meets in the cinema and meets now in a school and then docks new vending on top of a second. And as we keep planting churches, I don't know when God's going to open the door for us to buy buildings and own places, but you know, I've come to a point now where it's not even important. Why? Because I'm not going to allow things like that to stop the most important thing. What's the most important thing? That God has called us to be a church that inspires ordinary people to an extraordinary purpose in Christ. And what we're seeing, friends, is, is the more the enemy tries to press us down and keep us in these places, the more inspiring it becomes. Because if we had an amazing building, if we had a, a multi-million euro facility here in the Dublin 15 area, this wouldn't be that impressive. It wouldn't be that inspiring. I mean, it's a great building. All the Christians would come. But when you do it in a cinema on a Sunday morning, it's got to be God. When you do it in a school on a Sunday morning, it's got to be God. When you're launching your third location, it's got to be God. It's so inspiring because it is God. And at every level, every turn, we want to be a church that says to the world, there is a plan, there is a purpose, there is a hope for you in Christ. We want to be reminded that we are a church that's called to the least we're a church that is called to the last. And we're a church that's called to reach the lost. This is our mandate. This is who we are. This is why we exist. And with our outbuildings, with our out properties, with our out any kind of the resource that we need, we're going to find a way to shine the light of Jesus into our dark world. So I want, you to, I want to invite you into this season as we pray and contemplate and think, what does that mean for our future? You know, as we get ready to launch our third location, we're already thinking about our fourth. It seems impossible. Well, this seemed impossible five years ago. Here we are. Now we're launching another one. Do you know, this is our last Sunday ever as one church in two locations. Our last Sunday ever as one church. There was a time, there was a point in time when at a Vision Sunday in an Avon location, I spoke about one day we're going to open a Dublin church. And here we are in Dublin having a Vision Sunday talking about open at the Dock church. And one day the Dock church will have a Vision Sunday talking about the next church we're launching. Who knows where, when, how, that's up to God. All I know is that we're going to continue being focused. We're going to continue to see the real need. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not fooled by Ireland's economic prosperity. I'm not fooled by the surface of what we see. In I know people are broken. I know people are hurting. I know people are lost. And politics and money and fame and success and drugs and relations and everything else people give themselves to cannot help them. But Jesus can. And Jesus does. And Jesus is. And so we want to keep our eye on the prize that we are a church that's called to inspire ordinary people, the least, the last, and the lost, to an extraordinary purpose. In Christ. Amen. And just for one minute, can I just, would you just, would you help me? Let's just take one minute right now in the middle of this message. Let's pray right now. Because you know what? This room is not big enough to contain all that God wants to do in and through our church. 
And three locations is, are not locations enough to do all that God wants to do in and through our church. And I don't know the details. I don't, I'm the kind of leader, I don't, I, don't, I don't stress myself on those kind of things because it's God's church. I just focus on what he's called me to do now. And right now, I'd like you to pray with me for those, maybe in this room, or outside this room, who, who feel like they're the least in society, who feel like they're the last in their family or world, and feel like they're spiritually, emotionally lost. So Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we lift up every single person in this room, in this community, in this great city of Dublin, in the province of Leinster, on the island of Ireland, north, south, east, and west. God, we pray for every man and woman and child who right now, inwardly, their hearts are broken. Inwardly, they're confused. They're bitter. They're down. They're tired. They're weary. They're on the verge of giving up hope. I pray, God, whether it's through a conversation with someone in this room, or seeing a social media post, or through an invitation. I just pray somehow in some way through us and all of your churches in this land, they would see the light, God. That we're not called to be a Christian party center. We're called to be a lighthouse. We're called to boldly, defiantly stand at the edge of the land and in the face of great adversity and storms and waves and wind and gale and all those things, to bravely and courageously shine that light forth for all those that are looking for a way home. So God, I pray, would you touch hearts? Would you change minds? Would you transform lives? And would you build your church and use us? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate that. Second thing I want us to contemplate then is when it comes to giving. Because as we think about our mission, as we think about continuing to go and grow, it takes funds. And the reality is there is no us without you. We can't do any of this. I can't do any of this. I'm just one person. Not even a great one person in and of that. I'm just one. But when we come together, just like with the compassion thing, and we pool our energy, we pool our gifts, and we pool our resources, we can make a, a, a massive impact. And here's the bottom line. God, God can't do something with our nothing. We can't ask God to bless our nothing. But God can do anything with our something. And what I'm saying to you is, is if you haven't already uh, taken up the opportunity to be someone that partners with us. We're not looking for pity. We don't want your pity. We want your partnership. We want you to be able to sit in that seat on a vision Sunday and every time we talk about the things that we're celebrating, you can say, I was a part of that. I don't care what amount. That's between you and God. I'm asking you to ask God, God, what's my part in all this? But what I would ask is that every single one of us would consider giving a percentage where it's 1%, 2%, those who are, who, are, who are, you know, following Jesus, we believe that God uh, invites us, leads us, commands us to give 10% a tithe over income to the church. But again, wherever you start, I'm just asking you, would you consider giving something regularly, consistently to our mission so we can continue to go and grow and to be the lighthouse God has called you? Because without your giving, there is no us with you. And maybe for some of you, that is your most important next step, is just to start being 
financially partner with us. Okay, last section then. So we've celebrated, we've concentrated, or sorry, we've contemplated. Let's now talk about what are some things we're concentrating on over the next six months to our Vision Sunday in September. Well, top of the list is we are sending a missions team to Brazil. Come on, this summer, everybody. We've been on the receiving end of teams coming for so many years, and we're so grateful. And this summer, we're going to have something like eight teams from the world coming to Ireland to help us in the summer. It's amazing. But we, as we have been given generosity, want to be generous. So in 2019, we sent our first ever missions team to the nation of Brazil. It was incredible. And then lockdown happened. So 2021 and 22, we couldn't do anything. But now in 23, we're delighted to announce we're sending a team to Brazil. And we're partnering with a church there who does an amazing work. Not only are they reaching the city they're in, but they also have a branch or an arm that goes out into the rural areas, out into the undeveloped areas, and just goes and brings hope and life and encouragement, where it's just praying for people or bringing, for example, one of the ministries they have is they bring a medical boat that goes all around these islands where there's no roads, no infrastructure, and Christian doctors and dentists and nurses and physiotherapists volunteer their time to go on this boat and just to help people for free. And so for 10 days, we're going to send a team from our church to Brazil uh, to help them. And uh, the pastor of that church is a guy called Pastor Ariel de Goes. He's actually my brother-in-law, everybody. I got a brother-in-law in Brazil. And uh, he recorded a little video just to say thank you for our team. Let's watch this video together right now. House, uh, hope you're well. We're so happy that your guys are coming over and excited to have you. So we're praying for you guys. Uh, we know and we believe that God will do great things through your life and in your lives as well as you come. Uh, the Word of God says how beautiful are the feet of those who, who bring good news. And guys, we're excited because we know that you guys are coming and bringing the good news, the gospel of Jesus for, for the people here. And God does great things when this happens. So we're excited and praying for you. So we can't wait. God bless you. Woo! Who knew feet could be a beautiful thing? There you go. So how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So again, we're super excited about that and all that God is going to do in our team. And of course, our team are going to be fundraising from now until the summer. So we've got to do all that we can to help uh, bless them. And we're so proud of all those who have said yes and are going on our behalf. Okay, the other thing I want to concentrate on, of course, are our groups. If you haven't already found your group, I've already mentioned it. It's really important you find your group. You can't really know who we are as a church just by coming on Sunday. The real uh, meat, fruit, depth of who we are as a community can only be found when you find your friends in a group. And I think of a photo here, and that's really what it's about. It's about finding friends. It's not about attending a group or ticking off a religious box or being uh, a good Christian. It's about finding friends, people who you can do life with, who can encourage you, who walk with you through the tough times, who you can rely on and depend on, who call God out of you when you're down when you're hurting, and when you're broken. It's so important that everyone else is part of a group. Next slide, please. Uh, also, we want to con- concentrate on new people, continue to create environments for people uh, to discover Jesus. Uh, we want to concentrate on Dublin location. Uh, as you can see, uh, we need to make space for people to find their place. Uh, only, five, I said five months ago, here's a photo, five months ago, they, what we're living in right now was a dream. Like when I stood up before you on Vision Sunday in September, this reality then was a dream. 
be yesterday's dream is today's reality, which inspires us to dream bigger dreams. So now, as we're full in Dublin, we're asking ourselves the question, what the heck do we do? It's a very sophisticated question. What do we do? There's no space left. If we bring our friends who are far from God, if people find us online, if people are curious, if people want to find and follow Jesus, there's no seats left. And so we're in right now in the middle of negotiations with the cinema to try to figure out, are there options for us? Should we launch a second service? I wish I had more clarity, but I don't right now. We're in conversation, but we're believing and trusting that God's going to show us and make a way for us as a church in Dublin to continue to make space for all the growth that God is bringing. In our Navin location, very similar. Our Navin location is absolutely jam-packed. Absolutely jam-packed. That's why we're moving to the school. I showed you the photo. Uh, This school gives us the capacity per service of something like 400 to 500 people, including kids, which is outstanding. It's a brand new school, latest and great facilities. Again, if you haven't seen it, come with me today, 2 o'clock to Navin, to see where your heart for the house offering has gone, to see an action, to be with them as we celebrate their inaugural service. And, of course, we're concentrating on Dundalk. Come on, because we are four weeks away from launching Lighthouse and Dock. April 2nd, 2023, we're launching our newest location. And I can also say today, for the first time publicly, we have just secured our new venue in Dundalk. And ironically, it's called The Venue. Here are some photos of our new venue in Dundalk. Here's one of our kids' church rooms. Here's the main uh, room where we're going to do church. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, come on. And because this is our last time as one church in two locations, we actually invited our Dundalk team today to be with us here in Dublin because we're going to pray for them as they get ready, come on, to go out and launch this church. So can we welcome Lyle Church Dublin, everyone from our Lighthouse Church Dundalk team, come on up here. Come join us here at the front. Come on. We can do better than that. Woo! So many great things happening. It's amazing. We're almost done. Just a heads up, like I said, a couple more things we're concentrating on of next few weeks. We're starting a brand new series next week called Impact One. And like Rebecca said, we may not be able to impact the whole world, but we can impact someone's world. And we should never underestimate what God can do working into the life of just one single person. So next week's our brand new series all about how do we practically just do a good job of helping people find faith. Then, of course, Easter 23 is upon us. We're going to have three locations, everybody. First time ever. Super excited. The theme for this year's Easter is Hallelujah. If you're a Leonard, if you're a Leonard Cohen fan, you're going to love Easter Sunday. Just saying. Uh, it's gonna, we have something really cool, something really creative in store. And we would like you to invite everyone you know to come and be with us on Easter. Uh, we're going to make space. We're going to find a way in all three locations. But we want as many people as we can possibly connect with to know the reason for the season. That even though we you know, have lamb and hot cross buns and give chocolate eggs to each other and all these cool things. It's like, yes, and Jesus. So we want to be able to lift up the resurrection message of Jesus. Then, of course, summer's coming, everybody. Come on. You saw the sunshine today? It's a night. It's like when you see the sun and then you feel the heat, it's a good vibe. Right now we can see the sun, 
but we don't feel the heat. So we're looking forward when both those things come into reality, and then we can wear shorts. And so this coming Sunday, we're, so this coming summer, we're doing a whole bunch of work to reach our communities, Nav and Dublin Dock. We're doing an amazing kids fun week, the first week of July. So if you have kids, don't go anywhere. The first week of July, we've got an amazing fun week in all three locations planned, along with a whole bunch of other stuff, including picnics in the park. Come on, somebody. Uh, and some other things. Bottom line as we close is we are a new church for a new Ireland. And maybe you weren't born here. Maybe you came here. Maybe your parents weren't born here, but you were born here after they came here. Here's the point. You're not here by accident. God ordained for your life to be here. And God has a plan and purpose for your life here. And you're part of shaping what will be the Ireland of the future. And as I look at the new Ireland, I see a beautiful, diverse, uh, creative, welcoming, innovative, challenging, kingdom-expanding nation that's generous and loving and sacrificial and welcoming. And we as the church aren't just some lost part of society to be shoved in the back and hidden. We're a vibrant part of everything that it means to be this country. And we want to not only shape our church, we want to shape our nation for the good, for the better, and for the God. The question we ask is, what's your place in all this? As you think about the church and vision, all the things I've mentioned, what's your role? What's your part? What's your place in all this? Because as we close, we all want to leave a legacy of some sort or kind in life. Maybe you're you're still too young to be thinking like this, but there'll come a day, usually you have to get married or when you have some kids, where you start realizing that your days aren't guaranteed. And there's people that look up to you and love you and need you and will be there beyond you one day. And all of a sudden you start thinking about, man, what's my legacy going to be? Now, for most people in this world, Ireland, people's legacy will one day be the reading of a will, the inheriting of a house, the down payment for one, a vehicle, a lump sum of money, an investment to start a new business. Those things aren't bad. But those things don't last. Understand that there's a greater legacy we can leave. It's a spiritual legacy. It's an eternal legacy. It's a legacy that endures forever. But more than that, as we think about leaving that kind of legacy, we have to realize is a legacy is not something you leave later. A legacy is something you live now. Your life now will be the topic of conversation of those later. You won't leave it now and talk about it. Your kids will talk about the moments that you had now with them. Your life now will be your legacy later. I want all of us, as your pastor, I want to pastor you into leaving a better legacy. To leave it, we must first live it. As I close, let me tell you a story. A few months ago, I had the opportunity to preach at a conference in Athens, Greece. If you've never been to Athens or Greece, you should go. It's amazing. One of the days we were there, we got invited to go do a day tour to go visit the ancient city of Corinth, to which the Apostle Paul wrote three letters to Corinthians, two of which are in the New Testament, one of which is lost. 
And it was amazing because as we got there, you could see the old temples and the old streets and the old marketplace and there was like a museum. And we're getting ready to, to get off the bus and start heading in that direction. But the tour guide says, no, no, before we go to that part, follow me. So we followed him down this little strange little laneway into this what seems like grassy field and there was all these ruins there and then they gathered us around this piece of stone. And they began, to t- they began to tell us of the significance of this stone. And again, I, you know me, I'm a history guy, I love history. But more than just loving history, I love when history uh, validates what's true in Scripture. I love when archaeologists discover things or scientists find things that have always been true and known in the Bible. I just love that. This is one of these instances, this is a really important archaeological find to validate the historicity of the New Testament. Because this stone would have been the capstone that would have been in an arch that would have covered the main highway from the bay into the ancient city of Corinth. And what this stone was, was this stone was a a token, it was a gift from this politician, this local politician who'd been elected. And in that culture in that day, one of the things that politicians would do, public workers, is they would give a gift to the city to say, thank you for electing me. The very first thing would do, they, do, they would do was fulfill a promise before even, they even started their first day work. Imagine a government like that. The first thing they do is fix something. Fix it. And so this, this uh, pillar, this, this archway, I should say, stood at the entrance where this person was saying, thank you to the people of Corinth for letting me, here is your road. What's really interesting is we can see the name of this person. They can make it out. There's an E here, R-A-S-T-U-S, Erastus. And those beautiful feet are mine. And, uh, and this, is, this, is, this is from Erastus, the director of public works, saying thank you to the city of Corinth for his election. Dated somewhere in the mid-first century. Why am I telling you this? Well, the apostle Paul, while in Corinth, wrote a letter to the church in Rome, and your Bible is called the book of Romans. And in chapter 16 and verse 23, he says this. Erastus, who is the city's director of public works, and our brother Quartus, sends you their greetings. And it's like these archaeologists have discovered written stone, the name and legacy of a dude that Paul spoke about at the exact same time from the exact same place who lived and existed, and his name was Erastus. That's just cool just for the sake of it. But more than that, I got to thinking, wow. For the better half of 2,000 years, that stone laid there undiscovered, and no one knew this Erastus guy's legacy. As I was thinking about this, thinking, man, you know, what a cool thing for someone one day to find a stone with your name on it. God began to speak to me and began to remind me that even if people never find a stone with our name on it, even if no one writes a book about you, even if one day your Instagram account disappears into the Etosphere forever. God knows you and God sees you. And if you live for Him now, you will leave a legacy for all eternity. Not a legacy of stones. Because here's one thing I tell you every one of you is guaranteed to leave a legacy of stone. You want to see a picture of your future? Here it is right here. There's your legacy of stone. One day, your name will too be etched into stone for as long as that stone lasts. But what would it speak of? There's your name, there you were born, there you died. What happened in between? 
Well, 400 years from now, no one will know. But God will know. Lighthouse Church, I believe God has called us to leave a legacy, not of stones, but of souls. To leave a legacy of names, faces, people, God's children who are far from him. To leave a legacy that lasts for eternity. And every one of us can make a decision to be part of living, not just leaving, living this legacy now. And it's simple. Commit to a group. Live out your Christianity in community. Partner with us in a percentage. Do something like Erastus did in generosity that leaves a legacy. Make a place for space. Help us to continue to expand, to make room for those who are hungry and searching for God. And as the Holy Spirit speaks to you, step up and step out for God. Because when we step up and we step out for God, God stands with us. Your life has purpose. Your days are numbered. God sees you. God calls you. And God wants you to live the kind of life now that will leave a legacy forever. Our church is a church on purpose. A church of purpose. A church for the least, last, and lost. A church that exists to inspire ordinary people to an extraordinary purpose in Christ. That is you today. What is God's extraordinary purpose for you? As we said at the beginning, what do you see? Or more important, what does God want you to see about your life and about your future? I want to invite you to stand. As we contemplate that question, I'm going to invite the band to come back up. And they're going to lead us in a song. And as we sing this song, it isn't just a song we sing. I want it to be a declaration of the life that we want to live. We're going to sing Praise God again, right? Yes. So we're going to sing that song we sung at the beginning. What a great song. Let's show our appreciation for our band, guys. These guys are amazing. Well, most of them are amazing. Some are okay. I'm talking about you, of course. You know it, yeah, good man. Got to keep humble. But, uh, but as we sing this song, you know, Praise God, it isn't about saying things, about living a certain way. And I, my prayer for you is that as you leave this room today, something would burn in your heart that you would say, you know what, I don't want to just live my life and have two dates written in a stone in some graveyard that no one cares about. I want to make an impact. I want to make a difference. I want to leave a legacy, not of stones, but of souls. I want to walk in my extraordinary purpose. Mm-hmm.